Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to, to sing praises, to worship, to pray, to give. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word. I pray that it would be powerful and active in our hearts. I pray it would remind us of our need for you. I pray it would strengthen our faith in you. And Father, I pray that you would use the truth of what we're going to study to impact our hearts, Lord, to transform us more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, it's the week of Thanksgiving, and depending on your age and your place in life, Thanksgiving means something different for you. If you are a student, if you're under the age of 18, raise your hand, under the age of 18, look at that, wow. What does Thanksgiving mean for you? No school. Yeah, there you are, right. Quick. How many teachers we have? Ah, yeah, yeah. I used to think holidays were fun until I became a teacher, and then I realized how much really they were fun, right? (laughs) Teachers, raise your hand if I'm telling the truth. It's a lot better as a teacher than as a student. Is that true? Yes, amen, right? If you are the person that provides food for your family, then you've got a lot of cooking to do, right? Or a lot of catering to do if you're smart, right? Depending on how you handle it. I remember as a kid... Thanksgiving was such a fun part of our family's tradition because we always got up, at least when my grandparents were still living, and we drove to one grandmother's house. She was still living. My grandfather had passed away. We picked her up, and we went to my other grandparents' house. And we spent the day, and I remember just eating food and having family over and and hanging out and, and, and just the sense of the peacefulness of Thanksgiving, right? We remember those days, don't we? And then we grew up. Right? And things changed a little bit, didn't they? And we still enjoy Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving is still an important part of our lives. But if we're not careful, the older we get and the busier we become, thankfulness is crowded out by the things of life, isn't it? Jeff, I'm hearing a humming up here. I'm not sure if you're hearing it back there or not. There's so many things we're involved in. There, there, there's so many activities that we like to do. And there's so many to-do lists that we have to complete. And we don't intentionally become unthankful. We just get caught up in life and forget about all the Lord has done for us, don't we? And we recognize that there are real needs here. I mean, nobody's saying that our families are not important. They're incredibly important. Nobody's saying our jobs are not important. They're incredibly important. Nobody's saying all the obligations of life are not important. But if we're not careful, then one day we're going to wake up and we will have lost our focus on the things of God. Right? And so sometimes we need to be reminded of the Lord's goodness. That's one of the reasons I love the holidays. It's an opportunity for us to kind of 
take a step back, maybe take a breath of air, relax a little bit, take a little time off from school or work or whatever you're involved in. It's a chance for us to reflect and to think and to remember all the things the Lord has done for us. Now, believe it or not, there was a group of people in the Scripture that made a habit out of forgetting about the goodness of God. And we're going to study a text this morning that I think is so interesting because it speaks truth to the people that lived thousands of years ago. We're going to study in the Old Testament this morning. But I think it still applies to our lives today. In fact, I think there's an awful lot of truth if we delve into this text and begin to understand it in light of our circumstances in 2013. I think there's an awful lot of truth that will apply to your life today. And even more than that, if you study the truth of the Word of God, it will help you remember the goodness of the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, book number 5 of the Pentateuch. It's the final book. It's a picture of and a reminder of all the Lord has done for the people of Israel. Now you may remember the history of the children of Israel. They had been in captivity in Egypt for about 400 years. Moses had been called of the Lord to go and rescue them. He had taken them from captivity through the power of the Lord out of Egypt into the desert. And even in the midst of all the Lord had done for these people... Even in the midst of all his power and his glory. And remember all the things they had seen. Now they had seen the ten plagues, these people of Israel. They had witnessed firsthand the Passover. They had seen the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud that guided them by day and by night. They had seen the Red Sea part. They had seen the manna from heaven come day after day after day to perform. For them, and even in the midst of all they had seen and all the Lord had done, they rebelled. (laughs) See, if we're not careful in the midst of all the Lord has done for us, we'll rebel, won't we? And we'll begin to think that the things that we like in life are more important than the things that the Lord likes. It's interesting to me because the children of Israel, I kind of think of like a roller coaster. There were moments when they were just. On top of the mountain, they were on top of the world. They were seeking the Lord and following Him. And then there are moments when they're down in the valley. And they sin and they repent and they go back to the top of the mountain. And over and over it goes. But what we're going to see this morning in this text is a reminder. It's a reminder of who the Lord is and it's a reminder of what the Lord called these people to do. And I want to set it in context just for a second for you. The people of Israel at this point in Deuteronomy chapter 6 have been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years and the Lord is just about to allow them to cross over the Jordan River and to go into the promised land. So it's a picture of what the future is going to be like. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll begin this morning in verse 10. When the Lord, your God, brings you into the land he swore to your fathers... So one of these days, when you cross over the Jordan and you fulfill the promise that God made in Genesis chapter 12 to Abraham, and the Lord gives you this land, the land He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build. Verse 11. Houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide. Wells that you did not dig. 
vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now let's stop there just for a few minutes because there's some truths in this text that I want you to see and understand. There's some truths in this text that you ought to be applying to your life. And if we're going to be thankful this season, if we're going to understand the meaning of thankfulness, and remember all the Lord has done for us, there's some truths I want you to see. And here's truth number one. If we're going to be thankful, number one, we must be reminded that all of our blessings come from the Lord. Now, let's just, let's just pause for a second because we're all going to see that and we're all going to agree with that and we're all going to move on in a hurry. <laughs> but I want to read that again to you. I want to remind you that all of our blessings come from the Lord. That means everything that you have is a gift from God. Now this text is interesting because if you read back through it, and I'm going to pull it back up here in just a second and kind of highlight a few things to you. It's not only a picture of the beauty of the Holy Land, of the Promised Land, and where these people are going to go and where they're going to live. But it's more importantly a picture of the faithfulness of the Lord. And it's a picture of His promises... And it's a picture of his power. Look again at verse 10 in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Bring that back up if we have it. When the Lord your God brings you into the land. You see that? Not when you finally do it or when you're strong enough or you make good decisions or you get the right education. When the Lord brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land flourishing, excuse me, a land with large flourishing cities that what? You did not build. Next verse, verse 11. Houses filled with all kinds of things that what? You did not provide. Wells that you did not dig. You see that? You see where we're going here? You see the, see the pattern here? Vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. You see that? What we see in this text is not a picture of the Israelites' strength and ability and endurance. Instead, it's a picture of the Lord's faithfulness. God said, I'm going to bring you into the land and I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build. I'm going to give you fruit that you didn't plant. I'm going to give you wells that you did not dig. See, it's not because of the Israelites' strength that they were able to accomplish this. In fact, when they relied on their own strength and their own ability, it caused them to wander in the desert for 40 years. You understand that? And when they finally recognized the Lord... When they finally gave in to his power and to his mercy and to his grace. And when they finally trusted him, he allowed them to walk for the first time ever into the land that he had promised them. Now the promised land is a pretty incredible place and it's kind of hard for us to imagine because we're inundated with a world filled with good things, right? We could kind of walk around and talk or maybe send a piece of paper with a pencil around the room. You could begin to list all the blessings of life. We have nice houses. Even if you live in a small house, by the world's standards, you have a nice house. You have clean water. You have ample food. I bet there's nobody in this room that for a long period of time has ever gone without food because they couldn't afford or couldn't find any. Right? We're we're well fed. But for a people that had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, the picture of houses 
And water and food and clothing and blessings was very foreign to them. In fact, it's very interesting when you study through the Old Testament. You begin to understand when you read the accounts of the children of Israel wandering in the desert just how unaware they were of the blessings of the Lord because you find them saying things like this. Lord, can't we just go back to Egypt? (laughs) I mean, come on, Lord. I mean, we're in the desert, God. Can you see where we are here? At least back there we had fruit, right? We had a, a roof over our head. We didn't have tents and sand everywhere. Let us go back and build bricks. We'd rather do that, Lord. We'd rather do that than have to continue to wander in the desert. But the Lord says, you know what? Even when you're not faithful, even when you don't understand, even when you can't see, even when you can't imagine, I'm going to be faithful. And it's not because of your strength. It's not because of your ability. It's not because of your endurance. It's because I'm the Lord. And I promise you this. And I'm going to give you these things. You say, great, so the blessings of the Lord upon the people of Israel. That's thousands of years ago. That's a very interesting story, Adam. I believe it's true. I believe it actually happened. But here's the question I have for you now in 2013. What does that have to do with me? The Lord's not asking me to cross over a river into a promised land. He's not making all these promises to me of land flowing with milk and honey. What does this promise have to do with me? What's God providing for me today? That's kind of what we're getting at, right? The old saying, what's the Lord done for me lately? And I want to stop just for a second and examine that question because I think it's at this point that people drift away from the Lord. Because they get caught up in the busyness of life and they get caught up in all the things they're supposed to do and before long, they quit recognizing all the things the Lord has given. They, they quit missing the blessings and they, they quit seeing the grace and they, they quit understanding the power and the glory and all the things the Lord has given to them. And so I want to stop just for a second and I want to think about the things the Lord has given to us. Let's start with life. You have life. You understand what a gift that is? You are in a place, born in a place, that gives you freedom. You understand what a gift that is? You were born into a country that wasn't torn up by civil war, right? Do you know that? You were born into an era of relative peace, at least in our area. There's never, at least in my lifetime, been war where I live. We are in an area that gives us opportunity. We're in a place that allows us to work if we want to work. Even with the economy like it is, most people can still find a job if you're willing to work somewhere, right? <laughs> it may not be the exact job you want. It may be the exact job you've studied for, the jobs you've always hoped for, but you have an opportunity to work. You have been given a gift, an economy that will provide you money if you provide a service. See, the thing about that is not everybody in the world gets to do that. Not everybody in the world has that opportunity. Not everybody in the world was born into a place that provides them the freedom and the education and the opportunity that we're born into. Now, do you know what all those things have in common? Your life and your opportunities and the freedom you've been given. You know what all those things have in common? You didn't have anything to do with any of them, did you? Did you? Anybody decide where they were going to be born? Did they, did they take the survey before birth and kind of, nah, I'm going to weigh my options a little bit. I want to, anybody decide? Anybody have the opportunity to choose that we were going to live in a country of freedom? Anybody have that choice? Anybody have the choice of being born into a place that gives you opportunity to be educated? Now, you may choose not to be educated, but it's a choice, right? 
Students, you may choose not to do well in school, but it's a choice. See, when you begin to think about all the things that we have, and you begin to think about the place that we live, we we begin to understand a very clear point as you begin to boil this down and think logically through this. We didn't have anything to do with any of it, did we? Now, you may think you're really smart, and you may think you're a hard worker, and all those things may be true, but if it weren't for the blessings of the Lord, you wouldn't be where you are today. You know, I've told this story before. I'm going I'm to keep telling it because it continues to resonate in my heart. But you read these accounts of people that live in these developing countries or you, you go to some of these countries and you, you walk through these jungles and you see these people and you begin to notice these people as you talk to them. And you understand, first of all, that they're really hard workers. Number two, that it's not that they're unintelligent. They're very smart, very industrious and figuring things out and things we probably couldn't even figure out ourselves. I mean, they're surviving in a jungle. They've got to be able to figure something out. And you begin to recognize, well, they're, they're hard workers. They're smart. Why don't they have what I have? Now, there are all sorts of things we can go through. and There are all sorts of reasons we can talk and economics and da-da-da. But I think at the bottom of the list here, at the foundation of everything we're going to think through, and as we kind of work through that process, it ultimately boils down to this. We've been given opportunities by the grace of God that they weren't given. That's the difference. If you were born in a third world village in Guatemala, you understand you'd be working just like those guys do, working two hours a day, walking to your job, working in the field with a machete, walking home two more hours. It's not because they're not smart. It's not because they're not hard workers. It's because for whatever reason the Lord placed them in that village and for whatever reason the Lord placed you in your location. And I think we begin to back up a little bit and begin to think through it like that. We understand that God has given us a blessing. God has given us things that we can't even understand simply by our birth. I had the opportunity this week to have a Skype conversation. That's a video chat if you're not familiar with Skype. With an IMB missionary, an International Mission Board missionary who's living in South Asia. This guy's been over there for about a year now and he's been trying to reach out to the community and reach out to the people. And this guy's surrounded by spiritual darkness. And so I asked him as I'm talking to him, I ask him this every time. I ask him things I can pray for him about. What can I pray for you for? What are needs that I can specifically pray for for your family? And he said this to me. He said, I want you to pray that in the midst of all this darkness that our family can do well because it's hard for us. See, they don't have all the amenities that we have. They don't have all the nice perks that we have. They don't have all the blessings of life that we have here. And so his prayer was that even in the midst of all this darkness, in the midst of this spiritual darkness, that the Lord would still bless us And the Lord would still work in our hearts and the Lord would still work in our lives. And he'd give us the ability, even in the midst of this difficult situation, to serve him. And I was just reminded again of the blessings of the Lord. See, the promises the Lord made and the blessings that the Lord gave to the children of Israel didn't stop there. He's blessed you still today. He's given you things that you probably can't even understand. James 1.17 kind of sums it up. If we wanted to kind of put it all in, in one simple verse. James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. See, everything that we have, every blessing that we have is from the Lord. I think we need to be reminded of that. But I want to take it a step farther. See, it's not just about the material things of life. When I said to you, what are the blessings of life that we have, probably the first few things that rattle off your mind are material, aren't they? I've got a nice house. I've got a good job. I've provided food for my family. And all those things are important. But I think the greatest gift the Lord has given us is found in verses like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. The Bible says this, For it's by grace you have been saved 
through faith. And this, not from yourselves, is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, the greatest gift the Lord has given you is an opportunity for salvation. You understand that? And here's the beautiful part about salvation based on Ephesians 2.8. You're not saved by anything that you do, praise the Lord. You're not saved because you're smart enough. It's not what the Scripture teaches. You're not saved because you work hard enough, praise the Lord. You're not saved because there's this sense of balance. I do enough good things and very few bad things, and at the end I hope it's just enough to get through. That's not what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture teaches us very clearly that you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by work, so that no one can boast. See, of all the material things that we've been given, the greatest gift the Lord offers us, and the greatest thing that He's ever shown us is salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I think at this time of year, in the midst of the busyness of life, in the midst of all the things that surround us and vie for our time and our efforts and our energy and our money, I think we need to be reminded that all of our blessings, first of all, come from the Lord. I think we need to start there. Now look again at the text. So Deuteronomy 6, 10, and 11, he's kind of listed for them the things that are going to come from the promised land and all the good gifts that he's given. Now pull up verse 11, if you would, please. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 11. He's ended by saying, Houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Then, I want you to watch this. Then, in other words, when you've got all this stuff... When you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Here's the second truth. Not only do you recognize that all the blessings come from the Lord, but number two, we must not allow our blessings to keep us from the Lord. We must not allow our blessings to keep us from the Lord. Now, you may be a little confused. How can our blessings that the Lord has given us actually keep us from the Lord? Well, it's a fair question because we live in a society with many things. We've kind of listed those out, right? And and I love this text because it kind of walks through some of the same sorts of things that we have. Nice cities. Houses filled with all kinds of good things. Wells and, and fruits and all these blessings. We've been given all these things. Very similar to what the children of Israel were given they walked into the promised land. But then verse 11 ends in a very interesting way. So all the blessings the Lord has given, all the things He's done, the Bible says this in verse 11, then, and I think about Thursday now, I want you to think about Thursday for you. When you eat and are satisfied, Thursday afternoon, right? When you're sitting in your nice house, When you're surrounded by people that you care deeply about. When you look around at all the nice things the Lord has given you. When you've eaten a nice meal and you're satisfied. I mean, that's us right there. We are right here, aren't we? This was written a few thousand years ago, but this is us right now. When you eat and are satisfied, here's the warning. It was true for the people of Israel. It's true for us right now. When you eat and are satisfied in the midst of the blessings of life, verse 12, be careful. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. 
What, a, what an incredible idea. Be careful when you have all these blessings. When you have all this stuff that you don't forget all the Lord has done for us. You say, how is it possible that in the midst of all these blessings that we can forget the things of the Lord? Let me just phrase it from an old-timey hymn. One of the old hymns says this, we are prone to wander, right? That's our heart. I do it and so do you. And we can sit in the middle of the nicest stuff in the world surrounded by food and fellowship and all the blessings and all the wonderful things of life and we can understand the blessings and yet it's very easy for us if we're not careful to forget that the Lord gave them to us and here's the bigger danger in my mind at least I think in America the material blessings that the Lord has given us are our biggest blessing and our biggest curse see they're blessing because we need those things don't we I mean, let's be honest with each other. Having food on the table is easier than not having food on the table, right? Having a house that keeps you dry and warm is easier than not having a house that keeps you dry and warm. Having a vehicle that you can rely on to get you back and forth where you need to go is easier than not having a vehicle. So all those things are a blessing, but they're also a curse. Because if we're not careful, we have so many good things that we begin to think we don't need the Lord anymore. (laughs) The Lord? My pantry's stocked. I don't need the Lord to provide me any food. There it is. I've got enough for the next month. Money? I'm getting paid this week and I'll be fine. I've got plenty in the savings account anyway. A place to live? A house? We've we've had this house for a number of years and it's well insulated and the roof doesn't leak. We're good, Lord. We've got it. We got it handled, Lord. We don't need to worry about it. I think if we're not careful, all that stuff can keep us from the Lord. It's interesting to me when you, when you talk to people in, in some of these developing countries, you read these accounts. You begin to ask them about what the future holds for them, which is very important for us. And you begin to understand very quickly that most of these people in these third world countries don't have any real concept of the future. And it becomes a little puzzling. Why, why don't they have a concept of the future? If I asked you about the future, you'd probably say something like this. Well, I mean, we got family coming over Thursday. We're going out of town. And then Christmas, we've got these plans and we're making arrangements to do this. And then Next year we're going on vacation. We've already planned it. And if you went far enough out, my 401k is building up nicely and stock market's over 16,000. And so things are going well for me. I'm going to retire this year. And we've got this long-term plan, right? Why do we have that long-term plan? Because things now are fine, aren't they? We're not worried about tomorrow. You've got food on the table. You've got money in the account. But for the person living in a third world country who has no food and has no money and doesn't understand a savings account and whose roof leaks and water pours in under their feet during the rainy season, that person is interested in their next meal. They have no idea what a 401k is. When you're trying to figure out where food for your family is going to come in the next two hours, it's hard for you to think about tomorrow or the next week, isn't it? And so you know what that person in that third world country who in our minds is destitute begins to do that many of us fail to do? They pray to the Lord for their next meal. And there's actually something riding on that prayer. Lord, I don't have any food for my family. And Lord, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to go out in the field and pick it or whatever. Lord, I'm willing to do these things, but I've got to have something, Father. I'm trying to provide for this family. Help me, Lord. Help me find my next meal. And when the Lord answers that prayer, guess what? It's very real to that person. I think for many of us, I'm not really going to pray about food. The pantry's full. 
And if we're not careful, all the things the Lord has given us will stand in the way of our walk with Him. And I just love what Deuteronomy does for us because it builds this picture of the beauty of the Lord and all of His blessings and all of His gifts. And when you've got all these things and when you've eaten and you're satisfied, be careful. Because He knows. He knows your heart, doesn't He? He knows my heart. He knows that these things, if we're not very careful, are going to keep us from the Lord. You know, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is an incredible passage of Scripture. And and we're just kind of hitting on a little bit of it this morning. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, is the Shema, which is kind of the, the, the most important part for the Jewish person of the Old Testament. They would recite it on a very regular basis. And I want to read you just a portion of it because it's going to kind of help us understand what the Lord's doing here in this text. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, you're going to hear something that's very familiar to you because when Christ was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He's actually going to quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, right? Love the Lord with all of your being, with everything about who you are, put those things on your heart. Verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And on and on this thing goes. And the sense here for the Jewish person in the early parts of this text are that no matter what happens, no matter what goes on in our life, God must be first. See, we need to be reminded of His goodness. But we also need to be careful to remember all He's done for us and not allow the blessings of life to crowd out our prayer and our absolute need for the Lord. Now, we need to skip down as we're running low on time. Deuteronomy chapter 6, skip down to verse 20. So there's this sense that all the blessings are from the Lord first. There's this sense that we are prone to wander, aren't we? We're going to forget about that. (laughs) We're going to allow those things to keep us from fulfilling the call of the Lord because we just don't need the Lord. And now thirdly, I want you to look at what happens. Deuteronomy 6 verse 20. In the future, I love this, when your son asks you, so dads, moms, grandmom, granddad, aunt, uncle, when your son or it could be daughter or granddaughter or grandson asks you, here's the question, what's the meaning of the stipulations, the decrees, and the laws the Lord our God has commanded you? In other words, hey, what's up with all these things the Lord has told us to do? <laughs> do y'all still say what's up? Is that, still, is that still in vogue? Can I still say that? Is there a better way to say it? They're laughing at me. I don't know if they're laughing because they're with me or at me or with me. That's okay. So when they ask, moms and dads, what's going on with what the Lord's saying here, right? What's, what's going on with all his rules and all the regulations and all the things he teaches in the scripture. Look at verse 21. Tell him, here's your charge. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and to give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper. There's a reason for doing this, by the way. And be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as He has commanded us, that will be 
our righteousness. Here's the third truth. Not only do we need to understand the blessings and guard against allowing those blessings to keep us from the Lord, but number three, if we're going to be thankful this season, we need to talk about the blessings of the Lord. You need to have regular conversations.